Our leader for tonight is Katie. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, my name's Katie. I'm a compulsive overreader. Hi, Katie. Hi, everybody. Um, if I'm going to say hi, family, I've heard speakers say that, and that really feels true to me tonight. Um, I was thinking about this on the drive over. It's like, yeah, I mean, my, my family is great, you know, and I'm really lucky to have them around, and I'm grateful that they're, you know, if we talk about the dysfunctional spectrum where we've got like the, you know, the, the uh, non-existent Norman Walkwells on one, one end and the, uh, and the Mansons on the other side. I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit right, right, of, the, right of the Norman Rockwells, but we still, you know, I st I'm still a compulsive reader. But anyway, in addition to my biological family, y'all are my family. This is, I, this is a safe place for me. And um, there's been times in my recovery where meetings have felt like the only safe place in my life. And I'm grateful that's not the case now, but that's, but that's true. So thank you for being here. And, um, thank you for choosing to come here. Um, I don't know if any newcomers walked in after the first welcome, but I'm really glad you're here. Um, I'm glad all of you are here because we're choosing recovery right now, and all of us are abstinent right now. So, you know, if you binged on the way to the meeting, bam, a new day starts right now. So there you go. Um, passing around pictures in case any part of my story, basically, I, I, if, if I fail to qualify with what I say, my pictures, you know, I was... I was a big girl, and you know, I've never been pregnant, so it's, you know, you don't get that big, you know, with having a normal relationship with food. Um, and if I don't get to everything, the message I want to take away is keep coming back, go to meetings, work the steps. Everyone I know with long-term recovery has, keeps coming back, they do service, they work the steps, and we don't do any of this alone. And that's a lesson I keep relearning over and over and over again, that I don't have to do anything by myself. In fact, the most stressed and restless, irritable, and discontent I get is when I feel like I'm supposed to figure this out all by myself, and how am I going to do it? No, it's not how I'm going to do it. How, how is God going to help me do it, and how am I going to figure out what God wants me to do? Oh, I need to talk to you guys. Because um, I remember praying about my um, compulsive overeating, and you know, God somehow got me into a meeting. But anyway, let me back up. So I, like I said, my family's pretty functional, you know, in terms of what could happen. Um, and so I don't know if I was born a compulsive overeater or, you know, there's a little bit of addiction, but it's all like really high bottom stuff. Um, definitely some compulsive overeaters there. Um, the first time I recall food actually, or being aware of food being an issue was um, somewhere, somewhere around first or second grade at a doctor's appointment. And my, my doctor told my mother, like, I distinctly remember her not speaking to me. She spoke to my mother and said that I was overweight and that I could lose weight by you know, uh, not having dessert and not eating seconds. And I am so grateful my parents did not become the food police. Um, but suddenly I was aware that eating what I wanted when I wanted wasn't okay. Um, and I did get praise for, you know, if I did indeed turn down seconds or desserts. Um, I know I was the kid at birthday parties who could, um, you know, just hang out by the dessert and snack table and just eat meat, meat. And if there was a holiday where you got candy, you know, my stash, like a week was a long time for my stash to last, and that usually meant I got like a big stash. Um, and yeah, and I, and I was, yeah, I was kind of a normal sized kid. You know, there's a picture of me there, of like probably the, I think the first picture in there. I look pretty normal, I think. Um, got a little chubby as a preteen. There's another picture in there where I think I feel like I look square, like you know. Um, and um, but then I got taller. I got I hit puberty. I got I got taller. I had hips and breasts. Everything kind of like evened out. You know, rearranged itself the way it's supposed to. And, um, but I still thought I was fat. I mean, I graduated eighth grade wearing a size six petite and I thought that was fat. And, um, because I was doing these behaviors still, 
You know, I was, I was eating out of the cupboards, you know, just, just standing there eating, eating on, you know, the, the sugar out of the box and huge bowls of cereal. And, um, you know, I, I, nobody ever said anything. The only rules in my house around food were like, you know, unless, unless somebody specifically said, save this for this, you know, or don't eat this because we're going to have it for whatever, you know, you could eat whatever you wanted. And, um, I, have confirmed this as an adult that, you know, a lot of times when food was missing, my parents thought it was my brother. Because my brother, as an adult, he's 6'5". Growing up, he was very athletic. He just needed to eat a lot more than, you know, little me needed to eat. Um, and I remember resenting him for, for being able to eat so much and not be heavy, um, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, but anyway, so, so as a teenager, I was pretty normal. Um, there's a picture of me, of, my, of me getting ready for prom, and you know, I'm kind of on the heavy side of normal or the light side of starting to get heavy, depending on how you look at it. I mean, that, that dress is a size eight, I think, so it's not a huge, not huge. Um, but, the first, but I was still doing all these behaviors, you know, and I felt really bad about my weight. I felt out of control. I remember relating to, um, you know, those, whatever, movies of the week or the inspirational speaker that came to school that would talk about, you know, drug addiction or alcoholism or being abused or, you know, and I kind of related, but that wasn't happening for me. So it's like, how do I ask for help for just being someone who's fat and can't stop eating? Um, I heard of anorexia and bulimia, but I wasn't doing those. Um, I, um, <clears throat> and, I and, and I guess the way I heard about Elmer Anonymous the first time was through a, um, a poster in a classroom that one of my teachers had up, and it said, anorexic, bulimic, try Overeaters Anonymous. And it was the word overeater that got my attention. Um, I was, uh, I was actually dating an alcoholic who was in recovery, and so I kind of heard of AA. I mean, I'd also seen it on, like, the movies and stuff, and I definitely had some judgment around it. Um, but I, I, remember, I remember copying down the number for, 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 for San Francisco Intergroup. I didn't know it was called that then, but I copied down the number, and this is pre-internet, so that you had to call and leave, like, your, your, your name and address, and they sent you this, like, unmarked envelope with, with the meeting schedule, and I'm really grateful, again, that my parents respected my privacy, they just gave me my mail without any question, and I, you know, so I got, the, I, got the, um, I got the schedule, and my very first meeting I went to was the day before Easter, 1990, over at CPC Davies, and, um, you know, I, I made myself as unique as possible, I was the youngest, the whitest, the straightest, the singlest, I, I don't know, you know, pick an S, that I, 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 I was that, I was it, um, but... What I had in common with everybody else in that room, no matter what our, you know, um, other labels were, is that we all did stuff with food that we wanted to stop doing. Um, and they were very welcoming. And I think I, somehow, sometime after I graduated high school, I started working. This, I got a sponsor, started working the steps, going to meetings in earnest, really working the program. Um, and I, I started college really thin, um, looking really good. Um, in fact, sometime during my, fresh, my, my first semester of freshman year, I got down to 116 pounds, which is the lowest weight I've ever seen as an adult. Um, and, and college is great. I mean, I, I was having so much fun in my classes. I had this really cute boyfriend. Um, I, was, I was making friends. I was having a blast. And then I don't know what event preceded what. I think I, I'm pretty sure it was my grandfather's wake, um, my, or my grandfather passed away, um, kind of suddenly. And... Um, even though at the time I wasn't aware of this, it, 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 ended, it, ended, it, caused this huge, it caused this huge rift in my mother's side of the family that's still there to this day. Um, and um, 
So that's the part that's not quite so, quite so functional. Anyway, um, and I, I'm pretty sure I broke my abstinence at my grandfather's memorial. And what was really interesting was to see or was to experience people who hadn't seen me since I lost weight trying to reconcile the body with my behavior because I was just eating and eating and eating at this thing. And I remember one of my aunts said, wow, the food, in, like there were people saying, oh, you look really good. And but then like, my aunt was like, wow, the food in the dorms must be really bad, you know, because I was just eating all this stuff. Um, I remember feeling so sick and I tried to get a hold of my sponsor the next day. Like I was actually, I didn't get a hold of her the next day. I was scared to call her. And um, when I finally did call her, she wasn't there. She didn't pick up. And so we you know, played phone tag, phone tag. And, finally, and I, when I finally got a hold of her, she told me she couldn't sponsor me anymore. And it had nothing to do with me, break my abstinence. It was her personal stuff, but okay, now I don't have a sponsor. Well, all right, I, try, I tried to keep working the program. I kept going to meetings. I kept making phone calls. I kept trying to find a sponsor. Um, I went to college in the East Bay, and there's a, there's a lot of meetings in the East Bay. And actually, at the time, there were a lot of young people there, too. I, I don't know what it is like now, but there were a lot of college-age people there. Um, and for some reason, it just wasn't happening. And I couldn't find a sponsor. Um, every time I connect with somebody my age, and for me, that was really important at the time, was I, I, I really wanted to connect with people my age, um, they would leave, you know, either leave the program or drop out of school or move away or something. Um, and it just wasn't clicking. And one day I woke up, I just seen her waking up in my dorm room and realizing, you know what? I don't have to go to meetings. There is no law saying I have to go to meetings. No one's going to take me to jail if I stop doing OA. And I just stopped. Um, and now, the, you know, that's probably the only mistake I made. Like maybe, maybe the next week I would have found the perfect sponsor, connected with all these friends, had this wonderful blissful absence and la 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 gone, gone on, you know, and, and whatever, had recovery earlier than I have now. Um, but that was, that was, that was just, that's what I chose to do. So again, thank you all for showing up today. Um, yeah, so I, I stopped going to meetings. And so that was my sophomore year in college. I like to say I had the freshman negative 15 and the sophomore 70 because I gained a lot of weight that year. I was also sharing a room with another compulsive overeater who was a very angry woman. She was also a slob, like worse than me. I mean, to the point where like there was a fire in the dorms and when the RA went, went to check all the rooms, um, she didn't notice that my, I had slept through the alarm because she just thought my body in the bed was just more crap in her room. Um, that's how messy we were. You know, and I was also dating an active alcoholic, and that alcoholic that I talked about when I said when I was in, in high school, yeah, he was, he was drinking and using again. Um, so I was just, that's the kind of stuff I was accepting, you know, and, and I, the only reason I, wow, is that 10 minutes? Okay. The only reason I think I passed any of my classes, I think I had a pretty light course load that, that year, so there you go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I continued just to eat and eat and eat. I mean, the dorm, cafeteria in the dorms had all-you-can-eat policy. You could take food with you when you were done. There were vending machines all over the place. There was a store, like, two blocks away. I think it was 24 hours. You could just walk down and get whatever you wanted. Um, plenty of people had cars, even, if, even when I finally got away from that, that roommate. Um, and the highest weight I've ever seen was my senior in college. I, I saw 189 on a, on a scale at my then-boyfriend's house. Um, so I'm going to stop and say right here or not. First time I had sex, I was close to my top weight. That guy thought I was freaking hot, all right? So, it, you know, there is somebody for everybody. And so, I, anyway, I just, I, I just want to talk about body image for just five seconds. It's like there is somebody for everybody, and it doesn't matter. Like, you know, sometimes I still think my butt's too big and, you know, my, my this and my that. And it's like, oh, man, someone thinks it's cute, you know? Um, but anyway, all that aside, um, 189, that's the highest number I saw on a scale. I'm pretty sure I got closer to 200 because after we graduated, that boyfriend and I went on a road trip. We were very sedentary. Um, he also quit smoking on that trip, so he, and he picked up food. 
And so I had another binge buddy in the car. Um, and some of my clothes that <coughs> excuse me, I took with me were tight by the end of the trip. Um, so I say my, high, my cop weight, top weight is somewhere between 189 and 200 pounds. Um, so kind of what happened was I um, was getting, yeah, so there, I, this is important. I, so, so after I got back from that trip, I started working. Um, and at, at one point, I was working two jobs. I had a full-time job. Well, I had, I had a morning job that was part-time. And, and the way my schedule was, I, I, I was working seven days a week. And on the days I went to both jobs, my, I pretty much got up around 6, went to my morning job from 8.30 to 12.30, you know, left that job, went to, my, went to my afternoon job, had some lunch, changed, worked, got a dinner break maybe from like, you know, for like 15 or 30 minutes, um, got off around 10.30, went home, went to bed, got up and did all over again. I lost about 20 pounds during those three months because I, I and I wasn't trying to control any portions, I wasn't abstaining from any particular foods, but I had some boundaries around what I ate and just having those boundaries. I mean, this right there told me how much I was eating. And so I want to stop right there and say like, a th- just three meals a day, that's a great food plan. Right there. We're all, we're all allowed to choose our own food plans and like, that's just a super basic, simple one. Awesome. If that's what you do, fantastic. Anyway, um, so what happened was I finally ended up, you know, getting one full-time job and then I moved to another full-time job and, and, um, and that, that place had tons of food everywhere. And, um, you know, I, I was still eating a lot, you know. I mean, I, I kind of thought it wasn't quite so much because I wasn't at home and, you know, mom wasn't buying the food. I had to buy my own food, you know. And, you know, I still had plenty of money to you know, binge. I lived close to a 24-hour grocery store and, you know, I could get whatever I wanted. Um, you know, I remember reading books about compulsive eating, you know, that weren't OA-type things but, like, other people's, you know, ways to fix it and, there's one in particular I remember. She's like, you should always have your favorite foods around so you don't feel deprived. I'm like, <laughs> even without program, I knew that wouldn't work. I'm like, yeah, I got the 24-hour grocery store if I really, really want it. And, and I was utilizing it. You know, there's times I would, you know, put on nasty, crappy sweats just to be covered. And I'd go down there and just buy a bunch of junk and have this, this story ready for the clerk in case they ask. You know, oh, my friends are coming over. They'll love this. You know, they never ask. But for some reason, we think they're, you know, we need to justify what we're doing to a stranger. Um, I remember hiding from a cute guy from my church because I didn't want him to see me dressed like hell and like buying crap. Um, you know, and that, who knows what kind of cool, you know, connection we could have had if I didn't hide from him. Um, but um, so what happened to get back in the program is I had, uh, there was one of, this happened numerous times. There was a day where I went to work and the pants that were loose in the morning were tight when I came home because I had eaten so much, you know, just stuff on people's desks, you know, leftovers from meetings, whatever. Um, so that I want to do something about this. So I, I joined this commercial weight loss program that my company would sponsor you for. And I, you know, I lost some weight on that. Um, but then the food started coming back. Like I got down to about where I am now doing that program. And, um, then the food started coming back. I mean, I was starting, I would start eating. I would actually go buy more than I knew I could eat because I knew I wouldn't stop till I was sick. Um, you know, I was trying to get the ultimate binge, you know, so it would get out of my system. It never happened. It was just got, just got big and big and big and um, I once threw up chocolate because I ate so much chocolate. There was, I mean, there was no vomit. It was just like pure chocolate. Um, and anyway, so, so to give it, like, what happened to get me back in the program is that I got back some old OA literature that I'd given to somebody the first time I left with the instructions of do whatever you want with this. I don't want it back. Well, she happened to still have the books when I asked for them and she gave them back to me. And I was reading, um, my first time, my first time in program, we didn't have the 12 and 12. It was just the 12 step book. So I'm reading the 12 step book and it's somewhere, 
in step three where it talks about, you know, we've specifically asked God, you know, to help us. And so I said, God, yeah, I want you to help me with this eating, please. But I'm not going to go back to OA to do it. I grasped that there was, you know, a, a physical, and emotional, and spiritual component. But I was like, I'll take care of the physical with this commercial diet program. I'll take care of the emotional with therapy, which I was doing at the time. And I'll take care of the spiritual with this church group that I'm in. And I, I, I don't mention those to either endorse them or oppose them. Um, it's totally fine to get outside help. But those things alone were not keeping me abstinent. And I know there's a power greater than myself because a month after I told God what was going to happen, I walked into the Monday Night Kaiser meeting and I haven't left. You know, I, I, don't, remember, I don't remember exactly what I said to the newcomer greeter, but I just remember her smiling and saying, I'm, I'm happy you're here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. And I, was, I remember being angry and fearful and just like, you know, what if this doesn't work? Um, and, but I've never left ever since that meeting. Like I knew I needed to be here. And I've run... I've run the spectrum. Here's, here's another chart. Another spectrum of like, I hate all you mother effers to like, everyone is awesome and I love you all. You know, and right now I'm kind of in the middle. You know, I'm trying to just, just be a bozo on the bus. Um, you know, because that's all we are. And somebody that, somebody that makes me smile, like picture everybody in a meeting with like, you know, clown noses and, and hair and um, driving on the bus. Anyway. Um, I have a fantasy of like doing some event. That'd be fun to yell. Anyway. Um, but anyway, all that aside, so, so I came back to the program and I, I got a sponsor and I'll tell you, I know it's hard to get sponsors, but just keep, keep asking until somebody says yes. It took me a few months. Um, and I got my first sponsor actually at the first unity I went to, cause I remember she raised her hand during the announcements and said, I'm available to temporary sponsor, you know, talk to me if you want to come work with me. And I totally remember like, go over it. I tell myself, go over and talk to her before you lose your nerve. And I just like poof, beelined across the room and talked to her. And, you know, we, we set up something to do after a few weeks it's like well i guess i'm your real sponsor great so she's we started working the steps um i personally like i don't do a how program but i like the how 30 questions for working the first three steps i think they're very comprehensive and they really get you through it um so we did those questions we did a little step up ceremony which was really nice um then we started a um my fourth step inventory and i can't tell you how long that took me but it, it, it i took up three notebooks and um and giving it away took six hours um and I am so grateful that more, I've heard more people, more and more people say this. I did not have the big book experience of like, the relief mounts from hour to hour as she unburdens herself with the, you know, whatever. I felt like, when I got done with my first fifth step, I felt like the biggest piece of shit that had ever been invented. And I had three notebooks to prove it, right? Um, but thankfully, you don't stop at step five. There's like seven more steps. So I don't remember exactly how my first sponsor and I worked step six and seven, but we eventually did, um, you know, uh, becoming ready to have God remove my character defects and then humbly asking him to remove our shortcomings. Um, these days when I work with sponsees, I'm, after your fifth step, I'm like, okay, you know what? Go home, read step six, read step seven. When you get a little bit of willingness to have God remove all your defects of character, call me up. We'll say the seven step prayer together. Done. Because um, I really believe in not, not like um, delaying the steps. Um, you are free to disagree with me if you, if you like, but I did not get abstinent until I was well into my first set of nine-step amends. There's definitely, and logically it makes sense to me, you shouldn't work the steps if you're an abstinent because you're not in the right mind, how can you do it? But I don't know, that was my experience. Um, I had a bunch of little mini relapses in between you know, coming into program and, and getting my final abstinence. Um, yeah, so, so in terms of getting that to that step nine, uh, once I got to step eight, one way to work step eight is to go back to your resentment list on for step four because a lot of times if people harmed us we also harmed them um and what was really cool for me or that experience is reading that grudge list i would read these these um these 
these resentments and actually feel neutral. It would be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Okay. Whereas before it'd be like, oh, yeah, that was when so-and-so did da, 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 and just like, whoo. Um, and, and what occurred to me was, you know what? These are human beings who make mistakes. Now, some of them big mistakes. I'm not going to like, you know, sugarcoat certain things. But it's like, oh, if they're human and get to make mistakes, logically, I, I, could, I, could, I could grasp that I'm a human and I get to make mistakes. Um, and that opened the, day, the door to ask for forgiveness and make amends in step nine. And if we were in a nine step workshop, I'd tell you all the really cool experiences I had making step nine. And let's just say they were all but two of them were, were really well received. And the two that weren't well received were more kind of like a, huh? But, you know, most people were like, I, I, I had one a mechanic who I must have like just really remitted him the first time I talked to him because I asked his wife to speak to the manager. And when he came out, he looked really scared. And when he heard me make amends, I saw his, 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 he, he exhaled, his shoulders dropped, and he like, smiled. And he was like, um, is that five minutes left? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, and you could tell he was really grateful that I was not here to like, just tell him off. Um, and then I tried to, and then um, I guess the other cool one was, I'll, I'll mention this because I mentioned my brother. Um, I felt pretty clean with my brother, except for I remember sometime, I don't remember how old we were, but I remember saying to him, like, when you get older, I hope you get fat. And his response at the time, very, very rightfully, was like, don't put that on me. That, you can use weight. That's your business, but don't put that on me. And I, you know, I, everything else I felt clean about, but I had to apologize for saying that to him. And his response was, hey, that's cool, but I think at the time I was probably making fun of you for being fat. And it was like, I totally forgot he used to do that. Not very much, you know, not as much as my cousin, but I had a cousin who used to call me pig whale. Um, anyway, um, sorry, <laughs> I just thought that, anyway, I haven't thought of that in a while. Anyway, but my, brother, but my brother did do that sometimes, and I was like, oh, cool, I got an amends back. Nice. Um, so yeah, so, so then, the, then there's t- steps 10, 11, and 12. Step 10 is continue to take personal inventory, and when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Um, I've gotten pretty good at doing the, the, the mental inventory. Like if something's bothering me, I can usually like, okay, what's up with this? Oh yeah, that's me wanting to control stuff, or that's me expecting people to be a certain way, you know, expecting them to be like me, because, right? I, I, um, and sometimes if I really can't get to it, I'll, I'll write it out, and, um, and that, that's helpful. Writing it also helps me become more willing to make amends if I owe amends. Because a lot of times, if I'm in my head rationalizing why I don't need to make amends, I probably really do. And writing it out somehow makes me go, oh, okay, I can do it. It, it doesn't feel as scary. If it still, feel, if it still feels weird, I'll, I'll, you know, if, if I'm not sure, I'll read it to my sponsor and we'll get some feedback and we'll take it from there. Um, and then, so 11 and 12, uh, step 11 is... Um, La, 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 la. Uh, sat through prayer and meditation, new prerequisite conscious contact with God. And I've had fun with this one. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a religion that's got some practices. Some of them work for me, some of them don't. Um, I've, I've been really grateful that I've known people that have been willing to share some of their practices, both, you know, faith-based and just other spiritual things and just trying stuff they out. I mean, the big book says, may, see where religious people are right. That doesn't mean you have to practice religion. Just, you know, there's, there's, there's some things to do. But there's also things that, have just come to me. You know, so I just, I, I've developed a relationship with God that is my own. Um, um, I feel like I'm all over the place on this step, you guys. Sorry if it, I'm not making sense. But anyway, um, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up believing in a, like a being God, but I've also had to embrace the concept of the group as a higher power. You know, like I could move this table. Grisha helps me. It's going to be even easier. But if we all get up and like move this table, super easy peasy, right? So that's, that's a power greater than myself, you know, um, we all help each other. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons God didn't strike me abstinent while I was praying in my bedroom on my knees. He, he wanted me to be here, or she or it, wanted me to be here with all y'all, learning how 
to do this one day at a time. You know, learning to call on somebody, you know, when I feel like eating instead of picking up the, you know, like, like talking about my feelings instead of like eating them. Um, coming to a meeting, you know, if I want to get out of the house and not eat, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, um, and there's been people that have really saved my ass in the last few years, you know. Um, I just was let me cry and cry. I remember, God, I remember working nights one time and um, I was so stressed. I don't know if I was going to eat or not, but anyway, I just needed to call somebody. And they happened to, I don't know if they still do this, but they had like some people that are on call 24 hours a day. If you could call them, whenever. And I called, the, I, I remember calling two people. There were a couple people that said they were available and I called one person and I wanted to go, why did she say she's available 24 hours? Because she was so mean. She was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? I was like, okay, I'm not going to call you. But the second person was like, oh, hi, what's going on? And she just, I, I cried. I have no idea if she even understood what I said. It was just like, it was, and it was just wonderful. It was just so what I needed. Um, and, you know, fortunately, I don't have to work nights anymore. Yay. Um, but there's people I can call and, and, and leave a message. And, and outside right here, call me any time day or the night. If I don't pick up, you can say whatever the hell you want on my voicemail. And, you know, there you go. And I will do my best to call you back. I'm trying to really be conscious. If people call me, I will, I will call them back. Um, and then step 12, and I have, I have like one minute or something. It's um, uh, having had a... Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. That's, um, that's really about doing service. And, you know, I said in the beginning, most people I know that have long-term abstinence do a lot of service. Um, you know, and I've, I feel like I do, I've done service at many levels. I mean, I sponsor people. Um, I, 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 I almost always have a service position at the meeting level. I've, I've, I've gone to world service. I've done some event stuff. Um, and had fun with that, um, been challenged by that too. Um, but for me, it keeps coming back. I, I, sometimes when I take the long-term service commitments, I'm like, well, I'm here until at least, you know, the date of that thing. And wow, my time is up. So thank you for, for listening. Um, and if nothing I said resonated with you or made sense or was helpful or whatever, um, there's a bunch of other people in this room who are going to share next. And let's, uh, let's hear what they have to say. Thank you.